Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Neil Fleming is a director at the Challenges Group. They call themselves a family of companies committed to creating a more prosperous world, with a focus on working directly with small and medium-sized enterprises. The Challenges Group help those enterprises grow, prosper and fulfil their vital role as the growth engine of our global economy. Our conversation is taking place during the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. We'll hear what this crisis means to both international development organisations and to the SMEs Neil is working with. So Neil, welcome. Morning, Katie. Lovely to be here. Ah, great to have you. Neil, first of all, can you share a little bit more about the work that you're doing with the Challenges Group? Yeah, absolutely. So the Challenges Group has been around for 21 years now. I've been with the organisation for just over six years. As as an organisation, our kind of core mission is really to enhance enterprising solutions to global challenges. As an organisation, we really focus on how can we best support small and growing businesses to improve and grow. Alongside that, how can we then enable support ecosystems to work better? And finally, a kind of real core focus is how can we catalyse enterprise collaborations to address the complex challenges that we're seeing in the world. We have delivered work in 66 countries in the world to date. We now have um, for five core offices across sub-Saharan Africa where we have teams uh, delivering our work in Ghana, Malawi, Rwanda, Uganda and Zambia. And they've been delivering a whole host of support and program and project delivery in those markets. Thank you. And I mean, we are speaking on the 10th of April 2020. We're in the middle of the corona pandemic. What does this mean in reality for an organisation such as yourselves? Yeah, and happy Good Friday, if that's the thing. For us, I think, yeah, reality that we're now, I think, three, four weeks into this and as an organisation and certainly dealing with five very different African countries in terms of their response. We've been working very hard with our teams to really understand the anticipated economic and and social impact in certainly each of our countries with the welfare of our staff and also with our project partners and the beneficiaries who we are working with. In reality, that has meant, I think, a lot of taking stock of where we are as as an organisation. We had a lot of work due to start certainly in the coming months and that's been a lot of ongoing dialogue and engagement with partners with clients with funders to understand delays and changes to work anticipated what that means in reality and really for us I think we've worked very hard as kind of a a global team take a step back I think our initial certain reaction was how do we deal with this and certainly from Point number one, how do we ensure our staff are safe? And, and so we, we certainly implemented working from home in all of our markets um, for all of our staff um, before potential lockdowns were brought in at a national level and working across various regions within Africa as well. We're, we're kind of working with them to understand the, the reaction from a government level and really now trying to understand what 
the economic impact of that means. That means a very different um, delivery of service. We pride ourselves on spending time with the, the SMEs that we work with, and that's through our staff and through um, associates that we work with locally, where we can spend time inside SMEs, we can spend time delivering training, working with them hand in hand, and we've clearly had to pull all of that back um, to manage the current circumstances on, on internal travel, on, on local travel, etc. And I think as a team, we've really, we've really tried to think what is, how best can we respond to this um, and how best can we manage our own organisation in terms of uh, delivery, in terms of our own internal financing and, and making sure that, that we can continue to operate as effectively as we can as an organisation. That has meant a real shift in, in delivery. I think we've noticed a lot of partners or people within the ecosystem moving towards kind of a quick response and, and, and offering up webinars. And I think webinars can have a place in this or really trying to leverage technology. The markets that we work in, there is strong technology available, but not everyone has access to that. And so how can we deliver support to, to those SMEs and those senior teams within SMEs, those chief executives, those founders and, and people that are running SMEs, how can we really support them most effectively? And I think what we're finding really is it's phone and how can we you know, much more enable phone conversations to happen. Zoom and, and all the different platforms out there are, are fantastic, but not everyone has sufficient internet access or access to the, the tools that will enable them to use them. So actually kind of really taking stock and, and going a lot more simpler in terms of our delivery to to SMEs and to, to partners that we're working with. I think short term as well is really trying to understand with our country's teams and, and what's going on, the, the real potential longer term impact that it's going to have in the countries where we, we are operating. I think as the world kind of reels and, and stops for we're not quite sure how long, the actual economic impact on, on the people that we work with is potentially mind-boggling and, and huge. And, really trying to think shorter term how can we kind of help certainly stabilize a lot of the SMEs that we're working with and how can we help them manage this crisis where there are certain government provisions coming in but not moving as quickly certainly we're seeing here in the UK or or Europe where the governments have moved quickly rightly or wrongly depending on your view I suppose of, of the different forms of support available so really trying to work with them to understand very different um, economic impacts across across sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, the impacts by different organisations and by different countries are just crazy when they're all added together. Neil, how do we ensure that we support those who are most vulnerable during this crisis? So I think, I kind of touched on it um, a little bit so far, I think it, it's really kind of, I think the natural instinct is oh my God, this is awful, how do we move quickly and how do we mobilise and how do we potentially throw a lot of money at things? And I think that's a key part. And I, and I do think working with various partners and funders, and, and, and I took part in, in the online panel yesterday with, with various corporate partners and, and some larger NGOs around you know, how can we work together to ensure that we can continue to operate and we can continue to provide support i think it is really taking that 
time to to take a step back and, and understand who are the most vulnerable and, and what that support looks like for us and in terms of the work that we do the most vulnerable we see are, are the small to medium enterprises in our markets in terms of the space that we're in they are the ones who, who provide jobs they provide vital services they provide um, food they provide various goods uh, to all the markets where we operate and they are really at the risk of going under in a very short space of time and, and the potential ramifications for that are huge. And again, in terms of how do we get that support out to them, for us, it's really what is the most effective way to do that. And you know, it isn't the online, it isn't webinars, it, it's actual direct support to people running these companies and running these SMEs who potentially are living month to month and who employ X number of people that are not going to be bailed out by governments. So I think that's one small part of, of certainly where we are focused. And it's around the broader stakeholders in, in certainly international development and private sector development, I feel, to, to really come together and, and start to listen to each other and, and start to be able to make quicker decisions, but also the correct decisions, which I suppose doesn't always marry up with each other. But I think one of the one of the strongest things for me is is really how can we take ego out of this? I think when you have multi-stakeholder relationships, you have multiple partners involved, be that uh, funders like DFID or you have corporate partners involved, you have larger NGOs, you have smaller organisations. You can start to put all of these different people together and, and people will have different views and people will have different priorities. And I suppose it's really trying to make sure we, we get the, the right groups together that are focused on, on the key areas. There's a whole movement of, of health support going out there. How do you ensure that the right people are at the table for those conversations to take place from a, from a local and from an international point of view? Um, in terms of our space, again, in the private sector space, how do we ensure that the right partners are, are working with the right partners locally? How do we ensure that people are really coming together an ego is now taken out of this and, and it's really how do we ensure that the people who are most vulnerable can get the support because they're not, the governments potentially are not coming in to ensure their livelihood. The, the companies are not being bailed out that provide those jobs, that provide those services. How can we add into that and, and respond as a, as a global community? And some people are already looking to the longer term. There is a phrase that I've heard going around called being sort of touted as build back better. What does this mean for your organisation and, and the work that you're doing? Uh, yeah, it's uh, a, a good phrase, I think. It's interesting, my, my background before working for Challenges was working in investment banking and I started my career in Morgan Stanley and, and I worked with Morgan Stanley during the financial crisis in 2008 and, and actually worked within some of the products that potentially caused that. I never sold them, which is my get out. I, I worked in the, the back and middle office in Morgan Stanley. But having watched a kind of bank crumble from the inside, I think is certainly what led me to, to pursue something different in my career. And I think we're at a really interesting point. I think as an organization, we have been involved a lot in impact investment as well. And, and as, a, as a, cre- a key and, and crucial component to, to the work that we provide and the support we provide to, to SMEs across sub-Saharan Africa, there's a real wave of support um, 
before this pandemic occurred, I think, from the finance community and the investment community and, and the larger corporate sort of machine to be considering ESG and environmental and, and social governance in terms of its investing. I think now there's a real opportunity to, to make this become a reality and to build back better, really kind of reevaluate how we do business, how we work with supply chains, certainly in terms of our approach and, and our focus, those supply chains that are across sub-Saharan Africa, how do we, how does bigger corporates and how does more of the global community really take stock of, of where wealth sits and where wealth can be created and where wealth can be held? I think there's, uh, humanity is probably facing this, how do we build back better and how do we, what role does government and the private sector play now? Um, how can you know, larger companies that are clearly now all seeking these bailouts again, how can, how can they change business as usual, which happened six months ago, to what does this build back better actually look like and how can they start to bring in the corporate, the, the social and environmental change that has to happen in these larger corporates and across the private sector. I think now is the time and, and it's kind of the one opportunity and maybe the one silver lining across all of this um, horrible stuff that's happening around the world to to really change how business is done and really change what business as, as usual means. In terms of impact investing, I think there's been a, a huge rise in impact investing, I suppose in inverted commas, from, from our point of view and, and from the work that we do across Africa. I really feel it's time to kind of rip up the rule book of how things had been done. And I think now is the time for innovation and now is the time to really understand how can we support these economies? How can we help small to medium enterprises really thrive and really support the broader economies they're in in terms of job creation and access to vital goods and services? I think impact investing has kind of been seen as a bit of a white knight and, and kind of you know, that will solve everything. I don't think it is. And I think there's still a lot of challenges there. And I think now is potentially an opportunity to really rip that rule book up and, and, and really look at how we can really have the right impact to the people that we're trying to support, be that from a larger corporate to development finance institution. I think there's, there's a lot of capital in the world and we can really start to use that in more meaningful ways. And I think for us, you know, we are one of the responses, I think, to, to COVID has been how can we best support the entrepreneurs and the SMEs that we know and we work with? And a key part of that is us kind of developing a, what we've kind of called a, an enterprise resilience program and really trying to support SMEs one-to-one to, to really help them understand how they're operating now and, and really help them make potentially business-defining and difficult decisions that they have to do to their business right now. And I think that opportunity to really help these companies navigate and, and revitalize, be that you know, pivoting business models or be that um, really responding to the crisis as they see fit, is kind of key to really enabling stronger SMEs to come out of this. Uh, one of the key focuses for all of our work is, is youth employment. And we've done a lot in kind of how can we support young people in our African markets into jobs and how can we best support job creation. For us, SMEs are critical to that and SMEs potentially are about 80% of, of the economy and they're where jobs can be 
created, we obviously now need to sustain those jobs and, and create even further jobs. I think the stats were already mind-boggling from an African point of view of the jobs needed to, to really meet the, the youth population that is booming. And now even more so, the potential unemployment figures are going to be horrific. And so how can we really build back better and ensure effort is going into creating jobs, to sustaining jobs, and also around the world? I think now more than ever, one of the biggest things to come out is, is worker rights and worker support and employee support. And really, can this be the time the world takes that one step back to really reevaluate how things are done? I think from the last financial crisis in 2008, I'm not sure much really changed. There was a kind of boom in, in impact investment and we're kind of seeing the beginning of this real ESG investment coming out of the larger corporates. I think now is the time to really lock in behind that and ensure that we drive that forward as a, as a global community. And Neil, I mean, obviously there's loads of different ways to, for people to get involved and add and support during the pandemic. For those listening, what would be your one call to action? It's a really hard question, isn't it? <laughs> I think the, the real one call to action, certainly for, if I'm being cheeky, for us as an organisation, you know, we're really keen to, to speak with senior people with business expertise that could potentially support us in this enterprise resilience programme and can provide some of that support with us to, to the SMEs that we're working with. I think, you know, my, my broader call to action is really how take the time to listen. That sounds really daft, I think, but there's there's so many implications to this and, and we do need to start listening to each other and, and really understand and work together to figure out what the best way forward is. I think there's, I, I don't know about you, Katie, but I'm certainly being overwhelmed by certainly all of the news and, and, and some places like LinkedIn where everyone is trying to post their own response and how they're doing things. And I think now is the time to really work together and, and to listen and to really take the ego out of, of how we approach this and, and how we support and how do we really then ensure that the right support goes to the right people. And that does come from listening and, and having open and honest and frank discussions with, with stakeholders, with partners, with clients, with staff, and, and really kind of collectively try and come together. Well, Neil Fleming, thank you very much for your time and your insights and your advice today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And uh, this was my first podcast. So thank you very much. And for anybody listening to this podcast, we do have a wealth of support action toolkits that are located on the Business Fights Poverty um, Response Centre. Thank you very much. Take care. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.